0: In 2001, under Governor Rick Perry, the Texas Legislature passed the Texas DREAM Act, which extends in-state tuition and grant eligibility to long-term residents of the state who are not U.S. citizens or permanent residents. Texas DREAM Act students are both students who are documented and students who are undocumented. This bipartisan act has strengthened our Texas workforce and has been a huge benefit to our Texas economy. Ever since the passage of the Texas DREAM Act, there have been those who have actively opposed it. The Texas Dream Act is once again under attack in the form of a lawsuit filed against the University of North Texas by a student organization on their own campus. To tell us more about this reckless anti-immigration attack on the Texas education system is the chief legal analyst for IDRA, Paige Duggins Clay. welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode of the Latino Business Report. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that's going to affect a lot of us directly and indirectly. There seems to be a new lawsuit floating around out there. This lawsuit was actually filed by the Young Conservatives of Texas, an organization who is mm, kind of known for being out there and being a little um, litigious and doing some things that probably um, people don't consider as a very good thing that they do. Today, our guest is Paige Duggins Clay. Paige, how are you doing today?
1: I am fantastic, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you and your amazing listeners and for highlighting this really important case.
0: No, no. Thank you for being here. Now, now Paige, you're the chief legal um, analyst, so you're an attorney for IDRA. What is IDRA and what do you do?
1: Yeah, thanks for the question. So I'm so fortunate to be an attorney for IDRA. We are a nonprofit civil rights organization dedicated to educational equity, and we do that work in a, through a variety of lenses. We focus on um, having really high quality, um, excellent training for educators and helping them create culturally sustaining school environments. And we do a lot of work around research and policy advocacy and ensuring that our lawmakers have the best information, the best ideas to make sure that our schools are equitable places free from discrimination that support the learning of all schools and high quality public schools. And so I'm really fortunate to um, be at the organization. have been there since January. Um, We have amazing leadership and we have a tremendous opportunity to do a lot of great legal advocacy um, and including writing amicus briefs, um, submitting comments in federal, you know, rulemaking processes, and you know, being a member of coalitions to really help amplify the voices of youth, marginalized communities, um, and all people who care about educational equity.
0: Congratulations! Thank you very much for the job that you and your colleagues do over there, because it's one of those things that a lot of people don't know about, but it's a necessary thing that you have to do to make sure the American way stays to be the American way. Right now, then. I've asked you on the podcast today because we have a situation that I was made aware of. Actually, your organization made me aware of it. So thank you very much for that. But there's a lawsuit that's been filed uh, by the Young Conservatives of Texas. And can you tell us about that?
1: I'd be happy to. You know, and I think it's unfortunate that we're having to have this conversation because the bottom line is this lawsuit is really bad for everybody. It's bad for Texans. It's bad for our students. It's bad for business. And so thanks for the opportunity to highlight it because I really think it's something that everyone should be able to come together around and really denounce. The lawsuit, as you said, is um, the Young Conservatives of Texas versus um, Neil Smotresk and several other UNT officials. Um, Again, this is at the University of North Texas. And um, YCT, as they're popularly known, brought this lawsuit a while ago, a couple years ago. Um, Wait, I know the pandemic makes our all time feel uh, really stretched out. But in the um, December of, I want to say, 2019, January 2020. And they filed a lawsuit um, asking something um, really unique, but really doing something that isn't unique and has been um, tried and dismissed multiple times, which is they really are trying to attack what's known as the Texas Dream Act. The Texas Dream Act is a 2001 um, state law that creates many pathways for all kinds of Texas students to access in-state tuition Right. And we know that with the exponentially rising costs of higher education in state tuition is one of the ways that you know this state has made a policy determination to ensure that the kids that we educate, that we invest hardworking taxpayers dollars in, have the first opportunity to benefit from you know, the investments of the, of the taxpayers of our state by having more affordable education. And so there are many pathways, including a pathway that allows certain um, dreamer students um, to be able to access that in-state tuition rate.
0: Just for clarification, could you, for the audience here who may not be aware of it, and we've done several episodes on this before, but what is a dreamer?
1: Thanks for the question. Yeah, having having clarity and precision is really important, um, particularly in legal context, right? So generally speaking, dreamer students are um, frequently referred to as the students who are the, um, the generation of Plyler kids, right? Students who come here um, through many different ways and opportunities um, with their families and um, may not have lawful documented immigration status, but nonetheless have been living here in this country, living here in Texas, um, either themselves or their families contributing to our economy Going to our schools and you know identify as Texans, and so these are students who may not have you know quote unquote lawful immigration status, but nonetheless are here to stay and are wonderful contributing members of our community.
0: So and and would, would um, DACA recipients also be included in this in this group that you were talking about with his lawsuit?
1: Or That's is a it great question. Dreamers. That's a great question. So in Texas, um, so uh, certainly DACA students are frequently referred to as DREAMers, but in Texas, actually, um, uh, students who have some form of lawful permanent status, including those who have eligible um, those who have DACA eligibility or DACA papers actually have a different pathway to access um, in-state tuition under Texas law. And so what we're really talking about here in this lawsuit and the category of students that are really being targeted in this case are this much smaller category of dreamer students who um, for whatever reason are not DACA eligible or have not yet you know received DACA and um, are otherwise you know not not lawfully. Um, documented in this country. So much smaller group than I think the broader umbrella that dreamers can encapsulate.
0: Well, thank you for that explanation. I didn't mean to interrupt, but so please go continue as to why in the world these people would file this lawsuit.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. And really why in the world is a great question, right? I mean, the, the Texas Dream Act was, like I said, filed in 2001, passed in 2001 initially, amended in 2005 under Governor Rick Perry. Um, you know, so this was really a bipartisan piece of legislation that really um, helped. You know, codified you know the legislature and the state's policy preference, and you know, really well reasoned one, that um, you know students who live here, who have invested here, and who are going to stay here and continue contributing to our economy and to our communities really had ought to have a fair shot at um, access to higher ed. Um, So, again, bipartisan legislation has um, been withheld and was the first DREAM Act in the country. Right. So really leading the way on ensuring that um, all of our Texas students can have access So of critical importance to our state, uh, to our economy, to our um, communities. Um, you know, what YCT has done here um, is, like I said, it's not unusual. Um, several groups um, like YCT and other, you know, sort of anti-immigrant groups have tried to challenge efforts to um, provide this pathway for undocumented students to access in-state tuition. And those lawsuits have been thrown out because not anybody can come in and ask a federal sure. court to, to, you know, take a benefit away. So NYCT
0: NYCT is an acronym for the young conservatives of Texas. That yeah,
1: local. that's exactly right. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that.
0: Now I've kind of heard about these, this YCT group for a while and they're just, I'm at a loss. I, I don't even understand how they can remain on campus with some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, Paige, can you kind of just give me a description of some of the things that this group has done in the past that, a lot of people kind of realize is really not what a student organization, at least in my opinion, should be doing.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for the question. You know, I think it's important and you know, so many spaces for there to be opportunities, for there to be opposing viewpoints and perspectives and advocacy. You know, that's what, you know, as you said, the American way, that's what this is about what YCT has done on our college campuses goes far beyond that, right? We're talking about um, actually the year that the Texas Dream Act um, was amended in 2005. At this campus, at UNT, YCT engaged in what they called a, quote, catch an illegal immigrant game. Um, And it, it is just as offensive as it sounds. They literally chased um, you know, kids around campus and would hand out sort of a 100 grand candy bar um, for anyone who they caught sort of, um, you know, demonstrating this, you know, it re- really anti-immigrant rhetoric activity. Um, I've had the great. prep um, So there are phys-
0: they were physically tracking students, other students that were they considered or thought were here illegally or or, or not illegally, but were immigrants.
1: Sure, I don't know if they went quite that far. I think they sort of staged it and had all sorts of participants, um, presumably uh, some who were not immigrants, you know, just sort of an effort to demonize our immigrant communities. But what I can tell you is that I have talked with some of the amazing students on that campus who were on the campus at that time, and they have described firsthand um, how horrific that was for them, how, the, how it made them feel alienated, isolated, how it made them afraid you know, and unsafe on their campus. And so these are the sorts of activities that YCT has done. That's not the only time they've done that catch an illegal immigrant activity. And um, the list goes on and on for other sorts of demonstrations that they've done with sort of the express intent of making students of color, in particular immigrant students, Black students specifically, um, increasingly queer students and LGBTQ plus students um, uncomfortable and feel unsafe on their college campuses.
0: Wow. So I guess it's safe for me to say that, um, During a rush, there's not a whole lot of diversity in that organization that they're trying to recruit?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, um, it certainly is not a a welcoming and inclusive, you know, environment. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that they're recruiting those types of folks. All
0: right. Well, I don't want to talk about them any more than we have to. But we need to talk about the action, the lawsuit that they filed. So uh, bottom line, Paige, what would this if this lawsuit goes through or if it's successful and I understand that they're filing it. Because they're filing it and they want attention and they feel that maybe they have a conservative enough newly appointed judge to actually make it work. But what would happen to to Texas education, especially University of North Texas, Well, not only University of North Texas, but what could happen in Texas, period, to our post-secondary education system if this were to pass?
1: Yeah. So um, unfortunately, um, YCT has already enjoyed a victory in the district court in this case. Like I said, they filed this case a couple of years ago and just this past April, um, a federal district judge, um, Trump appointed district judge, right, um, ruled in their favor, holding that the University of North Texas is um, categorically barred from collecting out of state tuition. From out-of-state US citizens. And that's a little bit of a mouthful, I know it is. Um, but essentially what they've done is they've created sort of a handicap for UNT so long as they continue to allow um, undocumented students to access in-state tuition under Texas laws, they are lawfully able and required to do. They sort of um, incur this penalty of forfeiting, you know, we we ran some numbers and and estimated, you know, just this year, almost $9 million. Um, in revenue, because they're not able to collect that tuition from out-of-state U.S. citizens. And so that's, sitting here today, that is the status quo.
0: $9 million. And is this lawsuit specifically only to University of North Texas, or would it affect other universities?
1: Yeah, great question. So right now, this specific lawsuit that we're talking about was only filed against officials at the University of North Texas. UNT is the only school in the state that is having to um, work through this handicap. Um, but of course, um, you know YCT has threatened you know similar litigation against other other schools, and in um, that, that's a very real threat to our whole system of higher education.
0: Yeah, and just to give the listeners a little bit of idea, Paige, I did a little research over here and. In- Texas A&M University if it were to go through they would be they would have be adversely affected and lose about 21 million, um, University of Texas at Austin, but about uh, over 30 million, UT El Paso uh, almost 3 million in loss, University of Houston, you know, 500,000 and, and the list goes on. So this could actually uh, eventually affect every university in the state of Texas and I'm sure it wouldn't stop there if Texas is is doing it then it can spread to just every university in the country, couldn't it?
1: Well, you know, we think, and as we argued in our amicus brief, which we filed in the Fifth Circuit, the university is appealing the decision, and we think the district court and we think that YCT was wrong. And so we're really hopeful that, um, you know, we'll get this overturned in the courts and that other judges in other states, if confronted with a similar legal challenge, would agree that they're wrong. They're just wrong on the law. This is not an unfair advantage for Dreamer students. But, you know, Jerry, you're exactly right. Um, if, If this ruling is allowed to stand, and again, we think it should not. Um, it could have catastrophic impacts on the Texas economy, on our system of higher ed finance, when we know already that um, the state is not invested enough in our higher education institutions. And so it really should be a, an issue of concern for for everybody, for every Texan.
0: And let's be realistic. I mean, I don't think the uh, young conservatives of Texas are really concerned that people from out of state pay less tuition. It's a workaround to make sure that immigrants are being kept off campus. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, that's the way I see it.
1: That's exactly right. They're really trying to put pressure on on state leaders to repeal the Texas Dream Act. And um, we know for generations that um, all sorts of diverse coalitions of, of people, of students, of higher ed professionals and business organizations right, have really stood up to say time and time again that this is good for Texas, that it's lawful, and that um, it's really important that we invest in all Texans, regardless of their background. And so I agree; it's 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 absolutely pretextual. And um, you know, we, we're hopeful that the Fifth Circuit sees it that way as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, these, these whatever the status is are here to stay, one way or another. They're getting their education. Nobody's given them anything. They're earning their way. They're earning their way through. But you uh, know, from a business perspective, we need an educated workforce. And if you're trying to target a portion of that workforce and prevent them. I'm going to, well, don't, don't get me started. That's another episode. That's something else. <laughs> sure. but let, me, let me ask this. Let, let me ask this. Or I'll get going. I won't shut up. Um, now, the organization I'm involved with, which actually sponsors this show, uh, or brings show, is TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. And I'm very proud that we recently signed on to an amicus brief to help support efforts to defeat that. So can you explain for us what an amicus brief is and, and what exactly that means and how is that going to help?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we get some fun Latin words um, for our listeners today. So an amicus brief is what it really translates to is it's a friend of the court brief. And so what that means is that we're not parties to the litigation, right? Nobody sued IDRA or TAMAC or any of the other amazing organizations that signed on to our brief. But nonetheless, we have a really important perspective and we have an important argument for the court to consider in making its determination about whether to reverse the district court. So it's a friend of the court brief. Um, we come, we came together in a coalition. Our coalition was made up of student groups, um, business organizations and higher education leaders. And together we really, um, presented the court with more information, more context about the why, which you just alluded to, right? What they're really trying to get out here, um, advanced a really compelling legal argument about why YCT and the district court was wrong and really highlighted the impacts, which as you, um, I know you didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I mean, the evidence of how catastrophic this ruling could be for our economy, not just because we need an educated workforce, but because that shrink in revenue, right? That doesn't just impact oh, yeah. UNT. That impacts all the economy, all of the local community around UNT, across the state, the vendors, the people who come to visit, the football games.
0: let UNT. UNT is where, Denton?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: You didn't, okay. So Denton, I mean, it, it's a nice sized town, but if that, if that revenue would not come into the university, there'd have to be cutbacks. They would have to be cutting some programs, they'd be have pre- cutting funding someplace that have to maybe not do as much business in the community, maybe cut some vendors. I mean, it's a ripple effect. I mean, Absolutely.
1: the money would
0: it, it just not affecting the university. It's affecting the entire community. And if that were to be multiplied by by all the universities, you know, in the state of Texas, I mean, that would be tragic.
1: Yeah. Uh, and not you know only that- for the
0: viewpoint of. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to pick up on that, you know, and we didn't even have to do that math. There was actually a really excellent recent report by the Perryman Group that um, put out in North Texas the impact of institutions of higher education uh, and their economic impact on the community. Um, And they put those numbers right there. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars of impact um, to the extent that universities revenues and their opportunities to invest back in the communities that support them is diminished. And we cited that information in our brief.
0: Okay. Now, April, I know that from TAMAC, uh, we've said it, and for those who may be listening, if you go, I know your website, I know TAMAC, the uh, Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce, T-A-M-A-C-C.org. We have a copy of that up. Um, it's available for that brief to look at it and definitely cite those numbers if anybody's interested. Now, before we get into what can we do about it, if anything, what is the next step? I know the brief has been filed, so what's the timeline on this look like?
1: Yeah. So the brief, uh, the brief, the university filed a brief and we filed an amicus brief in support of the university, YCT and whoever um, they can drum up to support their position. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see who will, if anyone um, will file their brief in just another week or so. Um, and then we'll wait. The court will likely set this case for a hearing um, sometime this fall. Um, And I'd expect a decision, you know, that's the bad thing about litigation is it moves slowly. So I'd expect this case to be decided sometime um, next late next spring or maybe early next summer.
0: Okay, so it's I mean, it is and it's not it's not necessarily a political issue where people can get involved and write their their congressman or their senators or their state rep. I mean, it's in the courts. Is there anything an average citizen can do to have their voice heard in supporting the amicus brief or to. Support the position of the university that this does not happen.
1: Yeah, Jerry. You know, I do, Ray, we always believe there's something. There's always something that the average person or, or and the you know unaverage, the extraordinary people can do, and and so there are some things, right? So we know that this coming legislative session that um, organizations that are aligned with YCT's perspective on this issue might try to revive um, what have repeatedly, I cannot emphasize this stuff, repeatedly been overwhelmingly, stunningly defeated in the legislature. Attempts to repeal the Texas Dream Act have failed. And um, I expect that they will continue to do that. But that only happens if we continue to come together and highlight the importance of that law and and the importance of higher ed access for all Texans. And so um, absolutely just, you know, being aware of the case, of the implications. And as we move forward, um, lending your voice um, in the legislature, letting your members and your communities know how important this is to defend this act, I think will be really, really critical.
0: All right. Well, that's good. So I guess first step, I mean, this is in the courts. It's going to play out as it's going to play out. There's a lot of work that your organization and others in the universities are doing. But for the average person out there or anybody who's interested, step number one, be watching for any anti-DREAMer legislation that's being proposed and let's make sure we, we kill that.
1: Absolutely. step. That's definitely step one. And, you know, step two, something, you know, that may be, you know, counterintuitive is, support your local students in your local community, right? Like we know that this is in addition to the financial hardships that, you know, higher, you know, unaffordability causes for our students, just the stigma of being attacked in this way um, and being targeted is really hard for students. So letting those students know whether if you're a business org, you can reach out to those student groups and take them to lunch or ask them about their experience, ask them how they, their experience can be bettered by your influence. I think that would be really helpful. Those sorts of community-based, you know, approaches that can really be very powerful.
0: Great idea. Well, Paige, thank you very much. Um, Was there anything you'd like to add before we, before we sign off?
1: I'd just like to thank Tamak and our all of our amazing partners. You know, um, it's really, really important to sh- stay united on this issue and that we all continue to come together to protect the DREAM Act, to, you know, stand and speak loudly that all Texans deserve to access higher education and uh, look forward to collaborating uh, on this issue. And just thank you for the opportunity to come on the podcast.
0: Well, April, thank you very much. And as it's mentioned in, um, in the, or not actually in the brief, or some of the stuff that you sent me earlier, it is a reckless anti-immigration attack that has far-reaching consequences for all Texans. Thank you very much, and until next time.